Stay tuned to the end to watch the epic finale of the space-time continuum. Parental guidance is advised. Yeah. Puya the misfit. One church just chain. Yeah. Every nation, every tongue comes together through the sun. Put our faith in the King Jesus Christ. He's the one. We were dead, we were lost, but His blood set us all free. We don't need a building. We yeah. the church. We a family. Yeah, we a family. Come yeah. and see the working of His Majesty, brothers and sisters in unity oh. internationally. Come and join the search, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the church. Yeah. One by one, let you let your kingdom come. Come on. From the top to the bottom, from a slave to a son. Top to the bottom, yeah. Uh, we got a new heart, got a new start. Five seventeen. All the world, we're doing our part. Alright. One by one, let you let your kingdom come. Alright. Uh. ฮ่าๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆๆ
on Sunday, I felt the Lord put it in my heart to actually share with one of the ladies in my neighborhood. I went over to her and I asked her how she was doing. She told me that um, she was not really doing well and she was stressed and depressed. I just asked her if she would like me to actually share something from, from my church. The following day, Monday, I went to find out how she was doing again. After the preach, she felt like the peace filling her room and she knew that uh, something uh, supernatural was happening um, in her life. And then I asked her if she would like me to, to pray with her to invite Jesus in her life. And then she agreed to that. I got an opportunity to lead her uh, to the Lord. I had an operation on my um, shoulder four years ago, in my about two years ago. Since then, um, I've been really struggling. I'm struggling to do stairs or like just normal activities. On Sunday, um, after we preach, God started working on my left shoulder first. Um, it felt like I'm going to be physio, and, and then God started working on my on my right hip for about two and a half hours. And today, I'm feeling a lot better, a lot stronger. I have a lot more mobility in my body. So I'm very thankful for that. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Hi, I'm Mercy. I think over a month ago, I injured my tendon, so my finger was hyperextending backwards all the way and I couldn't straighten. After he finished praying, the pastor, I felt like I should check on my finger, and I did that, and it just fixed itself, which was a miracle, and I thank God for that. Hey, my name is Denise. I was listening to Jonathan's sermon this morning, and at the end when he started praying, I could see everything that he was praying for being zapped and pachowed and disappearing. Each thing that he mentioned got got shot at, dissolving, like slowly like fading away into oblivion. And while he was praying, my stomach started to feel better. It felt like I was melting. And then the pain was gone. Pain that I'd gotten used to for the last couple of days and didn't realize was there until it got pachowed away. So the first thing I did, I was like, woo, Jesus is awesome. And then I went to get some food to eat and enjoy. My name is Kyle and this is my wife. Hi, my name is Flo. We're speaking to you from the Isle of Mull, which is a beautiful remote island off the coast of Scotland. We've been here for just over two years. We left our church community in South Africa and we haven't really been a part of a community, church community since then. Reached out to a friend of mine, JJ, a little while ago around Easter time, and he decided to send us the link for the Almost Church, and we watched the message, and we haven't stopped watching since. This last Sunday, we sat down to watch, and there was a little text block in the corner saying contact, I think it was for a Zoom meeting. I had a serious, uncontrollable urge to send a message and reach out, and that led to a very powerful, meaningful conversation and prayer session with Julian, Chantel, and Estian. Um, it's made us feel like we are a bit more a part of a community and something we'd like to follow up on. It's, we're searching for our purpose and if ever you feel that need to reach out or that urge to reach out, never hesitate. Do it. Reach out hard. Reach out fast. You never know who you might come in contact with or what God's got planned for you. Um, do it. Bye, guys. Yeah, so what's cool to know is that we'll be having a lot more of that sort of stuff in terms of epiphanies. Um, it's going to be really rad, very, very different stuff. Um, Short films, Q&As. Yeah. We don't know. You don't know. But you're going to have to stay tuned. Yeah. To find so out. So we'll just be keeping you guys on your toes on that one. Exactly. Um, but yeah, moving on. Getting um, personal. My favorite. <laughs> but, but this time, a Zimbabwean special. <laughs> yes, yeah. we got our family from Zimbabwe. Uh, Martin, Neville and the guys. Uh, so let's have a look at what our four to our family in Zimbabwe have been getting up to. What's up? What's up? Maybe you've seen them from a distance, spotted them prophesying, preaching, 
or quietly serving behind the scenes. But do you really know them? Well, we're taking you into the lives and lounges of leaders from around the 412 field, hearing what makes them tick, their highs, their lows, meeting their families, visiting their homes. Come on down and let's get personal. Planted in Tafara, uh, there was growth in the life of church uh, very fast, and uh, we felt that um, uh, we really needed to move in into into the community uh, for us to be effective. So that's when I spoke with uh, with my kids and with my wife. We all felt like it was the right thing. Hi, good row. How life? Okay, guys. My name is Neville Sandama from Jos Jen Arare, Zimbabwe. I would like to take you on a tour at my place where I stay. It's a beautiful place, and I hope you're going to enjoy this. So it has been an amazing journey uh, for us as a family. At times we feel like we are in transit, like God is just taking us from one place to another. We stayed in, in Danun and in, in, in Tableview and also when we moved here into Harare, we used to stay in Mandara which is more of a suburb and we had a nice very big house. Then our leaders, they gave us the green light to move back into the township. Hello guys, this is Martin Gary. Today I want to take you on a tour at my place. So this is it. So. This is where I put my water after I fetch it from that uh, well pond. Then I empty my buckets there, but I'm not going to do that now. So this is uh, my place. I've got plenty room. This is my bedroom slash kitchen. This is my bed, obviously where I sleep. This is where people come and chill. As you can see, somebody's already chilling here. I use this uh, mini gas stove to cook. Uh, and this is my fridge. We have seen so many people coming to God. The last baptism that we did, we had about 39 people uh, getting baptized. We don't know like what the future holds for us, um, but for now we are super excited that we are here and God is providing for us shelter and we are able to reach out into the community. So when COVID-19 hits us, I believe that uh, God has been preparing us for a long time for this. We used to live with little resources. People don't have running water, there's lots of load sheddings, and other people don't even have the electricity. But it reminds me of uh, when Paul said that he was content when he had much and he was content when he had little. So during this time, we are content with what we have. Almost everyone of us we chat with on WhatsApp or via SMSs, they're all doing good. Uh, we are counting it joy as a church and we believe that uh, uh, God has a plan for us. Man, how are those guys? They are so amazing, it's full of love. And yeah. guys, the reason why we always show you this is just to get personal, like really personal, even mm -hmm. though we are corona lockdown but it just shows God's kingdom and how God wants us to all connect as a body of Christ and this brings us to our favorite part of the episode the preach today we'll be having Mike DeFay who will be sharing a word with us exactly. um, which is pretty rad that we get to actually hear different 
I see um, a new face. Yeah, than, see a new face, hear yeah, different preachers. And, but if you are gathering as a mini congregation right now, then now would be a cool time to pay attention to whoever will be leading you. And now it's just that 30 second break where we all grabbed something. A slice of cheese, perhaps? No, 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 that was last season. Okay? <laughs> now it's a glass of milk, which I'm gonna go get. Glass of milk, there we go. All right. Oh, Salah, uh, by the way, uh, can I have some water, please? Sparkling. Sparkling. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, guys. Why are y'all looking at me for? Thank you, Kevin and Salau, uh, Salau of the cheese, cheese fame, cheese slice fame. But good morning, my name is Mike. Um, I currently am involved in the Wellington Josh Jen Congregation, where I lead. And I'm also overseeing TMT, which is our Bible school that we have in Josh Jen, raising future leaders. Um, this morning, or today, I'd like to share with you about faith, an aspect of faith that I want to focus on, looking at a specific man in the Old Testament. And I'd like to springboard off of Andrew's outstanding series on uncorrupted faith. And this series that he's done has, has been um, helped to lay foundations in and right certain wrong thinkings. It really has been so helpful and outstanding. But I'd like to jump off the back of that and also speak about faith, another aspect of it, by specifically looking at this, this man, as I'll mention now in the Old Testament. And as we look at this Old Testament saint, I want to just give you a disclaimer to say that you know, these men and women of God um, in the Old Testament, as they had to navigate through life like we do, as they had to face challenges and uncertainties as we do, they were not perfect people. They were not cardboard cutout saints um, by any stretch of their imagination. They had character flaws. They had sins that they struggled with. They struggled with discouragement and depression at times. Even the prophets, the great prophets that we read, yet these were people that had faith that pleased God. And so the person I want to look at today, it's not Abraham, the father of our faith, or David or Moses. It's a man by the name of Caleb. And many of you know him. You know him as one of the 12 spies that originally went into the promised land. And you're right, that's who he was. And we actually hear about him for the first time in the book of Numbers, Numbers 13 and 14, when he appears in the scene as one of the 12 that, that are commissioned by Moses to go and to spy out the land. And we know the story, he, he goes and he comes back with Joshua as only one of two, or two of 12, sorry, individuals that come back with faith, believing that God has called them to take the land in spite of difficulty, of obstacles, of the giants that are there. But they tasted the fruits. And more than that, they had experienced or they had believed the promise of God that God would be with them. And so while they believe that they can take the land, we know that 10 of the 12 grumble against the Lord. They are walking in unbelief and the people of Israel with them are also walking in unbelief. So much so that God judges the land of Israel and for 40 years they find themselves um, in the wilderness, another 40 years, waiting for another generation to rise up, a generation of faith that would take, take the land. And so we find this young man Joshua, or well, relatively young, um, uh, he at that stage is 40 years old 
And then what we find, and this is the text that I would like us to dive into today, is 45 years later in Joshua chapter 14, that's what we're going to focus on, where we see Caleb reappear into the story, and he's 85 years old, and now Israel at this time have come into the promised land. They have already conquered much territory, and we find him reappearing in Joshua chapter 14. And in this section, um, Joshua, the leader and the high priest of that time, a man by the name of Eleazar, were apportioning land to the people. They were actually allotting it by lot, so they didn't have a choice in the matter. They were told, this is the land that you would be given. And so they were apportioning out land to the tribes and the leaders and the, and the people. When Joshua, when Joshua, as he's standing there, Caleb comes before him, and let's pick up from the section. And what I want to do from this, this portion of text is to look at three um, characteristics of the life of Caleb. And then I want to apply it into us today as we navigate and not only navigate, but, but flourish in uncertain times. And so let's read Joshua 14 from verse 6. And it says, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. Now, Kadesh Barnea was on the edge of the promised land, and that is where initially God had reaffirmed a promise to Caleb that he would enter the promised land as an older man and he would receive land. And so he's recounting the time where Moses, where God had spoken through Moses, said, but for you, Caleb, you will inherit the promises. And he says in verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers went up with me, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And so the first thing that I want to speak about is uh, an aspect of his faith, a faith that flourished, is that he had a wholehearted faith. He had a faith that was fully devoted to the Lord, a trust that was fully uh, behind and given over to the Lord, a wholehearted faith. And we find this phrase, as mentioned in verse 8, I wholly followed the Lord, or I fully followed the Lord, or some versions say, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord, is mentioned three times in this section up to verse 14. And it's as if the author is wanting us to see that this man, Caleb, there were no half measures with him. His life was not um, you know, a life of compromise or of playing around with God in any way. And what's interesting with him is we, as we go back again, 45 years, we see that his life is characterized by a wholehearted faith in the Lord. We look at, um, and I want us to look at this because this is very interesting. In Numbers 14, 24, if we look back, it says in Numbers 14, 24, again, it says, my servant Caleb Because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he went and his descendants shall possess it. So as a young man, as a 40-year-old, relatively young, he is characterized by a wholehearted faith. 45 years later, we look in Joshua 14, as I mentioned, but I want to look at the end of Joshua 14, verse 14. And it says, Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And it's interesting. So we find him that as a young man, 45 years later, the one thing that characterizes his faith 
is wholeheartedness. Is, is given over to God fully, trusting God. God was not some kind of attachment on his life, um, some kind of add-on that he served God when it was convenient. You get the idea that he followed after God and there was a devotion to the things of God, even though he had to wait a long period of time to receive the promise. And you know, for you and I, that this is the nature actually of faith. There's no such thing as a lukewarm faith. The nature of faith, even if you look at the beginning of our Christian life in, for example, Romans 10.10, that says, and you all know it so well, Jonathan Conrath quoted it last week, where it says that, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And even coming to the Christian faith, we need to have a wholehearted faith, a faith that trusts God from the beginning, where we give God everything, where there's no, um, you know, Lord, I'll trust you a little bit here and I'm going to hold on to my life here. Um, it's saying in the heart is a picture in the Bible of the control center of our decisions. That's what the heart is. The heart is the control center of our intellect, of our emotions, of our, <clears throat> of our lives. And it's saying that, that in the control center of my life, I'm giving God control. I'm allowing him to be the Lord. And every decision that I make, every, everything that I do, every, with my relationships and my finances, I'm doing with a wholehearted devotion saying, God, you are at first place and I'm trusting you. And the kind of faith that pleases God is a faith and a kind of faith that would flourish long term is a faith that would ongoingly say, Lord, I'm devoted to you. I'm putting you first in all things. And I know this is such a simple thing, but we dare not underestimate a wholehearted crying out and a serving of God. And you know, God responds to this kind of faith. Um, I love that scripture in Jeremiah. It says that if you seek me with all of your heart, then you will be found by me. And I say, friends, would we be a people that are known to be wholehearted in our faith? That maybe one day, you know, it's said of us that if you look at your life from as a young person to an old person, that what characterizes your faith, this man and this woman serve God wholeheartedly. And so that's the first characteristic of Caleb, a wholehearted faith. The second characteristic that I want us to look at is in Joshua 14, verse 10 to 11. And um, this is, I'm going to call this resilient faith, resilient faith. And I'll explain what that means now. But in verse 10, it says, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he has said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as the strength was then for war and for going and for coming. And what we find is we find that, that uh, Caleb, he he exhibits resilience. What is resilience? It's this ability to bounce back and to navigate through discouragement, disillusionment, and disappointment, to almost come out stronger on the other side. It involves enduring, but it's more than enduring. It's, it's enduring and coming out being more refined and as strong as you were when you came in. And that's exactly what Caleb says. Caleb says, uh, 45 years ago, I was strong. I was expecting God to do things. And now, 45 years later, I'm still expecting God to do things. I am, the Lord has sustained me. The Lord has kept me. And so I am going to take hold of this land that he has for me. And if we find him buoyant, not sinking under disillusionment. And we can imagine, friends, we can imagine that Caleb, as a 40-year-old, he's standing on the cusp 
of the promised land. He's standing on the cusp of these promises that have been given to a nation to enter in, a, a nation of slavery for 400 years. And he was part of that, to come into something very, very special given by God. And because of the unbelief of the spies around him and the nation around him, even though he had faith, we find that his dream gets deferred, um, that this promise is unfulfilled. And I don't know if you've experienced that, that in the course of life, as we navigate through, that if you've experienced the deferring of a dream, or you've experienced a promise that you believe, but it's been unfulfilled in some way. And Caleb is such an example because somehow through it all, he maintains a faith in the living God. He maintains a faith in the one that is able to keep that promise. And, you know, the danger, I want to say this for, especially those that have served the Lord over a period of time, is that if you're a young person, uh, and I work with a lot of young people in Wellington, is young guys and girls are passionate, they're zealous for God, they're running for God. In a sense, their sin, if, if they have to fall into any kind of sin, would often be the sin of, of it's, a, it's a zeal without knowledge, and they can run ahead of God and miss the way. Um, it's a sin where at times they don't find themselves faithful in the mundane and in the, in, in the small things and the things behind the scenes. But as you get older in the Lord, one of the things that I've seen and experienced folk who have walked with God a number of years, and whatever that looks like for you, and you've journeyed a bit with God, and you've had the experience of life that has thrown a curveball at you, where, or you've made decisions and you've looked back with a sense of regret, right? I think we've all been there, and you've looked back and, oh, if I'd made this decision, or if I'd chosen that path, how wouldn't life turn out differently? Lord, or if, if, and there's a sense of our dreams that can get deferred. Um, of being on the cusp of something and that door being closed in your face, of, of experiencing some kind of suffering or loss or disappointment. But the key with us is that will we be able to find our way through and to trust God on the other side like Caleb did? And we, you know, we find with Caleb that he wasn't bitter at the ten spies. He didn't say, well, I'm blaming them. We find him faithful and trusting in the promises of God. And and so he is not bitter. And one of the things that we have to guard for as we get older is that it's easy to slip into regret and to bitterness. And we have to guard our hearts against these things and to keep holding firm in the word of God and in the God of the word. Um, one of the things I love to do, and I, I don't know, I'm just fascinated by it, is um, I often think about death. And I think about what would happen when I'm older. I think about myself often as an 85-year-old. If I was in the position of Caleb, would I be walking in faith, in a resilient faith? Or would I be walking almost trying to dwell in the past and think about what could have been <clears throat> and even blame others around me? What will I be like at 85 years old? And I trust, and I think it's good for us to think about death, and it's not morbid. It actually is something that will enable us to have wisdom. And this is what the Psalms say, Psalm um, it's, it's Psalm, I think it's Psalm 90 that says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90 verse 12, I think. Teach us to number our days that we could get a heart of wisdom. And wisdom comes as we are able to see our lives and see that, okay, I might only live to this amount. Where do I want to be when I'm that age? What kind of faith do I want to have? And when we look at Caleb, we see an older man that had passed the tests and was resilient and was still trusting to the promise that God had given him 45 years prior to that. Um, one of the things that the ancients used to do is the ancients, uh, the church fathers would do this, is they had a skull that they would often keep on their desks. And you see it in old paintings. And that skull 
was, it was called Memento Mori, Memento Mori, and it meant a reminder of your death, a reminder that you will die. That, that's what it speaks, refers to in Latin. And it's not morbid, but it's simply a wake-up call that when you're working and you see that skull on your desk, you're reminded that my life is short, that life, there's a brevity of life, and I have to let every day count. I can't afford to waste it on um, entertainment or wasted on just doing what I want. I have to serve the purposes of God in my generation. And this heart is this heart of faith. That's what it is, friends. It's a heart to say, but what God has spoken about, even though it might not seem like it's happening, I'm going to choose to believe God. I want to believe the word of God and I'm going to believe the God of the word and I'm going to hold on to him. And faith is this ability. It's putting your trust in God's ability and God's faithfulness. And I think as we look at these 12 spies who went into the promised land, I mean, 10 of them, they, they did the maths. They saw the reality. Um, you know, they, they said, okay, well, you know, they're giants in the land. Yes, there's, there's good land. There's giants in the land. And we look at ourselves and we are not a mighty army. We're not like the, the, the Persians or the Babylonians. We, we, we're the Israelites. We were a bunch of slaves. We've been out of Egypt for a year. We don't have weapons. How will we take the land? And there was a realism about them. They'd done the mass. But the other two, as they went into the promised land, they had also seen the reality of the situation. Yes, there were giants. Yes, there was opposition. But they factored in God. They factored in that they had the living God that was able to work on their behalf. And friends, I think as we have a resilient faith, a faith that would endure and pass through the storms, we can, although we can see that, yes, the economy has tanked and around the world things are difficult and we're living in difficult times, but have we factored in the ability of God? Have we factored in the fact that we serve a Lord who is for us and not against us, that we have a heavenly Father who stands on our behalf, who cares for us? And this is very, very important that we do. And so this is not some kind of emotionalism that we work up. This is factoring in that God can. It's doing the maths and saying, yes, this is the situation. Yes, I might be in this financial situation. I might be in this work situation right now or lack of work or this is where I'm at. But God, but God. And 45 years later, God raises up a generation that believed, that factored in God into the equation. They said that we have the living God and they believed the promise that God was able and he was able to come through for them. And so that's the second point that I want to bring is on Caleb's resilient faith. The third thing that I want us to look at with Caleb is Caleb's bold faith, that he had a bold faith. And in in verse 12 of chapter 14 of Joshua, um, Caleb says to Joshua, and I love this, he says, Now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And so what we find is although the other people were allotted territory, Caleb comes and he asks almost audaciously or cheekily, he asks Joshua, but I want this country. I want the hill country. And he's very specific in asking for specific things from the Lord. Um, He asks for specific land, and there's a daring, a courageous asking that he has done to lay hold of what God had promised him and given him. 
And um, although the promise from Moses 45 years earlier didn't speak about the specific land, but Caleb wanted that, and he wanted the hill country. And what's interesting is he said he wanted not the valley where it was safe and comfortable, uh, where he could retire in peace, but he wanted the hill country. He wanted the place where there were giants, where the Anakim were there, it says. In other words, he did something that was hard because he had the faith for it. And, you know, it said, I think of, um, it's Ambrose, one of the great church fathers, and he says this of, of Caleb and Joshua, that, that of them, as they came in and they wanted to lay hold of the promises of God, that it says that they counted the glory of God greater than their personal safety, and they were able to lay hold of the promises of God. And there's something that as we walk in faith and we are able to do hard things, and as we get stretched in order to lay hold of the things that God has called us to do, it's going to take an audacious kind of faith to ask God for the impossible. I mean, even our Christian life is a life of the impossible, isn't it? It's a life of doing what is impossible, even the ability to love our neighbors or to love our enemies and to love those that are different from us. That is an impossible task. Um, to be able to preach the gospel and represent Christ and to be a light in the midst of a dark and corrupt generation, in many senses, friends, this is an impossible task. But we can ask and lay hold of God in these things. And, 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 but it takes an ability to say, Lord, I'm willing to lay down personal safety in order to, to, to count for the glory of God. And this is what they do. This is what um, Caleb does. He takes hold of something that is incredibly hard and difficult. Obedience to God was more important to him than being safe and comfortable. And so for you, you know, we, you and I have certain promises that are given to us individually. There's a calling on your life individually. But more than that, Caleb was able to come into the promises of God because he was part of a nation, part of a people that together, you know, he didn't run off on his own after, uh, as a 40-year-old, say, well, just, I don't care, those People, they didn't, um, you know, they didn't believe the promises, but I'm going to go, me and my family, we're going to go and take the promised land. He didn't run ahead of God. He waited with the people of God until the time was right, 45 years later, when finally he received the promise. And I want to say that our destiny, in order for us to walk into anything, into your, your calling, into your gifting, you cannot run off on your own and do your own thing. You're part of a people. You're part of a holy nation. Um, a, a chosen people, a people called out by God. And so there's a faith and patience required together as we walk into these things. Um, what is amazing, isn't it, to know that, that Caleb's future was limited because of the, the unbelief of people around him, that because he had yoked himself, in one sense he had to wait, <laughs> and now he has to wait for another people to gather around him so that they can enter together. And I want to say that we have the privilege to be part of a church, Joshua Generation, it's quite apt, um, who as we, as we have faith together, we are able to do far more than we could on our own. But we are people that do this together in the Lord. And so you might be waiting for your promises, but when I'm going to walk into what God has for me, I want to say, friends, number one, make sure that we're part of slotted in to a local church, slotted into local churches where we can give ourselves in under the leadership of what God is doing. That's the first thing. I think secondly, a thing on this is that, that you have patience and that bold faith, even the ability to ask God for impossible things and to dream, to dream about things that could God actually use me in this? 
And to have those audacious dreams, for you to do that, sometimes takes patience. Um, those dreams that you have, sometimes God might want to work into you, into you a sense of resilience, a sense of um, fortitude, that you would be able to endure the wilderness years, so to speak. But if you remain faithful, if you believe the promise that God says in his word, um, that Christ is returning, that we have a heavenly city that we're going back to, that we have a part to play in our generation to see the glory of God come. If we believe these things, God will do great things through us. And so in closing, this example for us of Caleb is these three areas that I've mentioned, a wholehearted faith, um, a faith that is resilient, and a bold faith that lays hold of God. These three things is things that I believe we can walk in. Um, and we can walk in them not because we're special in any way, but because we have the Spirit of God inside of us and we have a Christ who is leading us and as we abide in Him. And you know, faith is like a muscle. Faith is something we grow in. Um, we can become these things. We can walk in these things. We really can because we've been given faith as a gift by the Holy Spirit. And so in closing, I want to say that these things are only possible because Jesus is the object of our faith. He is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the one that we lean on and abide in and trust in. If we are not in Jesus, if we are not trusting in Jesus, then all these things are meaningless. Um, then we become self-help Christians and we try and do things in our own strength. Friends, the only way this is possible is in one sense by looking to the perfect Caleb, uh, the perfect David, the one that has conquered our giants on our behalf. Um, he's lived the life that we should have lived and he's died the death that we should have died. He's paid the punishment for our sins. And I want to close and pray for you today. Maybe you've been in a place where you've allowed discouragement or regret to set in. Um, maybe you're in a place where you need to be asking God and trusting for the impossible and having audacious request from God to do the hard things. Maybe the Lord today is going to stretch your faith. And as we navigate through the corona season for us, God is on our side. God, in a sense, is with us. And we factor him in that even what seems impossible with the Lord, he is with his people and he will cause us to flourish even in the midst of great difficulty. And so I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you that the Lord would... Um, would strengthen you. And I want to say, if you're here and you're listening to this and you might have think you have faith, but I want to say that faith is found in the person of Jesus. Have you surrendered and given your life to Christ? Do you realize that without Christ, you are destined to an eternity of hell, to an eternity without Him? Um, and so I want to yeah, pray for us. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, today that as we look at the life of this man, in the Old Testament, Lord, that this was a man with a nature just like ours, that he, but he, he as a man had, had put his faith in the living God, that he had put his trust in the ability of a God that can do the impossible. And today, Lord, I want to pray just for every person that is watching, that is listening to this, Father God, that you would come, and for us as believers, firstly, that you would come and that you would stir our faith, that you would make us men and women who would please you with our faith, that we'd be able to put our faith in the Lord, um, resting and leaning on the strength and in the promises of our God. And we want to confess today, Lord, that we cannot do this in ourselves. 
that we are, are throwing ourselves onto you because we need you, Lord. And I want to pray that you would come and unlock a, a faith to do the impossible, Lord God. That even as we are people who are called by God to navigate and to flourish in the midst of and to bear fruit in the midst even of, of dry and difficult seasons, Father God, that, Lord, that you'd find us rooted in you, you'd find us abiding in you, and you'd find us with a resilience and a wholeheartedness in whatever we do, Father. I pray, Father, for those that are going back to work. Um, and I think of that scripture in Colossians 3 that says that whatever you do, as you go and work for your master, work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. And that even in our wholehearted faith, Lord, that, that in whatever we do, there would be a wholeheartedness as giving ourselves over, even in our workplace as we go back, Father. So, Lord, would you strengthen each one as we go back to our churches? Would you give us, um, you know, break fear, that we would not be locked down by fear, but we'd be a people of faith who believe you and who, who remember the promises that we can look back and know that, God, you will sustain us because you are able. Father, I pray for everyone in this in this um, video that doesn't know you, that is listening to this, that they know that their life is not right with God. And I want to say to you, if you are listening to this and your life is not right with God, and you know in your heart of hearts that if you had to die today, your life is not right with God. I want to urge you today, would you turn away from your sins? And the Bible says that if you, if you confess Him with your mouth, if you believe in Him with your heart, you will be saved. And I want to ask you, do you realize that, that you are someone that has, that if you are in your sins, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. If you don't love God with all of your heart, that actually, and you're not trusting in Jesus, you're in a dangerous place. Would you turn to him today? Would you trust him? And if you do that, I want to ask you to call the number. There's a number on the screen that you can get a hold of. And someone will pray with you and, and explain to you the way of the gospel, the way that you can come to know him and enter into eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, friends, that's it from me. May you have a great day further and stay strong in him. Amen. doesn't love a little bit of old school Bible teaching. Love that one. Love that word from Mike DeFay. I'm Thank so you, Mike. encouraged. Thank you, Mike. So do keep in touch with what's happening this week and stay posted on Facebook and all other social media platforms for announcements. Hey guys, this is your forecast of what's coming up in Just Gen this week. This Wednesday evening from 7pm, join Brett Bevan and the guys on Facebook for an evangelism outreach opportunity. It's going to be really cool. Make sure you invite friends who don't know Jesus because the gospel is going to be shared. Don't forget the online community groups happening throughout the week, so make sure you've chatted to your home group leader to see when you guys are meeting. If you're feeling out of touch with your lead elders, well, don't forget that there's a lead elder connect time once a week with your local elder from your local church, so make sure you check out that to hear your local shepherd's voice. I've just said the word local 600 times. Lastly, check out the Josh Jen website for new stuff every week, plus make sure you like the Facebook page for cool stuff there. Thanks for listening. Signing out from The Forecast. Yeah, that brings us to the end yes, of our Almost Church service for today. And yeah, so with season two, we are trying to keep it a tad shorter. <laughs> and that gives you guys a lot of time to kind of gather around with your family. Should we, should we switch this stuff off? Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Let's just go. Let's just go. It's fine. Damn.
how much further till we get there? Like a little bit further, bro. Basically the same distance further that it was when you asked me that question four seconds ago. Where are we going anyway? Got me out here walking on the road like a criminal. It's a nice road though, to be honest. It's got a good camber, nicely paved. Down here. All right. This is the spot. These are the coordinates. Flipping dodgy little area here. Something, some kind of ritual definitely happened here last night, that's for sure. What are you doing, bro? Yeah. It's here. I need to pee. 16 years of research. 16 years of searching. Searching for what? What are you looking for? The cure for the disease. The disease that's ravaged most of my planet. Destroyed families, animals, birds, pigs. Half of my people. in an instant. And finally, my life's work has led me to this moment to find the cure for COVID-26. COVID-26? <laughs> COVID-26! Ah! Ah! It's funny. Do you know that we have COVID-19? What? This this planet has got COVID nineteen. Like I don't know what's going on with COVID twenty six. Like COVID nineteen was decades ago. You guys are supposed to be ahead of us, not behind us. Unfortunately, I feel like you got your facts wrong. But more importantly, I actually need a pee. So dig, dig. That is cool. Can you do that with a with a toilet? That'd be very helpful. Fine. Nice. It's like a real spade. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. We're moments away, sir. I hit something. What is that? It's like a little pot vibe out of some kind of metal just chilling here. Sucks to be you. I don't understand. Shame, dude. Um, it was all a lie. My whole life. Shucks. It's <coughs> uh, awkward. Hey, hey, you know what, bro? So I know you might, you didn't find the cure to COVID twenty six or whatever, um, but there's actually another disease that. There is a cure for, and it's a disease of the soul. It's like much more deadly than COVID-26. That disease is called sin. And the cure is a person, and uh, his name's Jesus. Jesus. I, I, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've met Jesus before, if you, you know, if you know about Jesus. No. No. I've got an idea, bro. Why don't we leave this little um, like seance spot or whatever, and let me go buy you a drink, and I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Your whole life 
is about to change. What do you think? Yeah. That'd be nice. Nice. Let's go. Good news, boss. Headed us right to it. <laughs> the fool threw away the metal. Yeah, that's right. We melt that metal down. COVID-26 will be cured. And we'll be rich. Stinking rich. Ha, 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 ha,